all right all right all right welcome back welcome back to charlie's casual comic considerations where i casually talk about comic books that i think you should consider reading i got my water i got my tea which i only felt was appropriate due to the topic at hand neil gaiman uh this episode we will be going into the deep depths deep depths of uh deep depths uh, okay of volume one and two of the sandman comic book series uh yeah today i'm also be going over some individual floppies that are i took out of my ginormous ever-growing pile of comics that seem to collect and i do not read very fast um so yeah these comics are going to be a little bit older these aren't comics that come out this week um today's wednesday picked up some comics today these are not going to be comics that came out today uh, these are a little bit older because I'm just getting around to reading them. These are the ones that I've I've read a few, but uh, these are ones that really stuck out to me that I wanted to talk about. As of now, none of my episodes have been released yet, so it will be even older by the time you are hearing this. So just um, long story short, I'm a little bit outdated here, but these are comics I've enjoyed. Um, yeah, I'm just going to get into it. Stop rambling. Blah, blah, blah. All right. First comic I'm going to be talking about today is Batman number 114, written by James Tinian IV, and of course, art by Jorge Jimenez. Um, yeah, this issue just felt like uh, another another chapter in a story, just moving things along. It was very action-packed. Most of the comic was uh, a fight scene between the two peacekeepers, uh, the one peacekeeper who went crazy from the scarecrow, and then the second peacekeeper writ made by uh, Simon Saint to his uh, Plan D, Plan C, Plan D, whatever. Uh, yeah, lots of action. I enjoyed it a lot. It's very fun to read, and I was a little bit surprised because it got pretty graphic. Which is um, going to spoil it. You see somebody's arm blown off, and then you see like his face is burned and fucked up. And uh, I was a little bit surprised because usually. I'm not used to seeing such graphic content in the mainstream DC Marvel books. Um, usually to get the darker stuff, you have to turn to the DC Black Label or Image Comics. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying this run. Excited to see where it goes. Yeah, it took a dark turn at the end when uh, Simon Saint was decided that he was going to sacrifice an entire city block. That was interesting. Uh, I'll be honest, the... <laughs> I've been a little slow on uptake for these uh, podcast notes, so these first, a lot of these notes I've written a long time ago, it's been a while since I've read these comics. Usually I like to keep them fresh, keep them fresh, I read them before the podcast and talk about them when they're still fresh in my mind, but these notes are a little bit older. But anyway, uh, Batman run, I'm enjoying it. This was just felt kind of like another chapter, keeping things going, action-packed, I'm excited to see where it's going. The second comic I'm going to be talking about is A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number one, uh, written by Rick Remender and art by Andre Lima Orajo. This is an image book? Yeah, this is an image book. And, you know, I just saw the cover. It was very intriguing to me. I heard a podcast talking about it, so I picked it up uh, and I read it day of. And uh, I liked it a lot. This is very fun to read. Uh, if you get a chance to, if you see this in stores, I would definitely recommend picking it up. Um, from what I remember, it was there was not a lot of like words per uh, words per panel. It was very 
visual storytelling, which was um, makes a brisk read, but the art is really good. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's not a lot of like description, not a lot of actual storytelling with dialogue and whatever. It's a lot of this guy um, who, by the way, is clearly modeled off of, let me see, based off Benedict Wong. Ben, oh my God. Benedict Wong, who is um, Wong in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So maybe this is going to be turned into a series or is this is... Um, asking to be turned into a series i don't know but anyway the actual story itself i really wasn't sure what the story was but it's this guy going about his day uh he's he's smoking and he keeps getting rained on and uh actually i want to start talking about the covers because the cover is very interesting and then i uh peeked ahead when i looked this up and you see the other covers for the next few issues and they're all very monochromatic which i enjoy a lot in a comic book cover um, and like the t- it's split into two, like the top half is like a very close up shot of the face of whatever character it is portraying. And then the bottom half is like this medium wide shot, uh, scene of something happening, which very cool, uh, simple, but I like it. But, um, yeah, I wasn't really sure what this book was and, um, it's about this guy going about his day and then just, it takes a really dark, surprising turn at the very end. And it really shocked and surprised me how graphic this was. And I like, I was just thinking to myself, like, I wonder what, is this a mature book? Is this teen book? What is it? And I got to the last page and I literally laughed out loud because of how, like, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So this is a mature book. I'm not going to spoil it, but, um, it's very dark. I am going to spoil it. It's these two bodies he finds in this house and like, uh, they are just naked naked uh and tortured clearly tortured and murdered bodies is what they were um yeah i am super excited to see when the next book comes out november 10th oh that's a while away uh unless you're listening to this uh whatever day this is posted probably this is probably two months ago and the story is probably over by now anyway super excited to see where this goes um i have rambled a lot and not said very much So I'm going to move on to the third, technically third and fourth comic. I just uh, lumped these together because I read them back to back. The Nice House on the Lake, number four, and also number five, also written by James Tenyon IV, uh, who has been writing Batman and so many other series. It's crazy to me, these comic book writers who are so prolific in what they write and how much quality still is retained in their work. And also art by Alvaro Martinez. Um, Yeah, so, you know... The Nice House on the Lake, if you haven't read it, it's kind of this mystery horror comic with very chef's kiss prestige art, probably the best art in a comic I've seen in a long time. It's kind of like this watercolor based and uh, all the comic covers, they're probably the best covers I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, I might be exaggerating there a bit, but you know, the only thing, negative thing about this comic is it's a lot to remember, like the first couple that I read, like like when I read them, when they come out, like one, two, three, it's kind of hard to remember everything that happened in the issues just because like, it's like, uh, comes out monthly, you know? So like a month of time goes between, it's hard to remember exactly what's going on, especially because like the first issue introduced, I think it's eight, could be 10 characters. And it's kind of hard to remember everything that's going on. So like, um, I've been buying them and I kind of put them off for a while just because that fact of like, you know, I don't really remember what's happening. I don't remember the names of the characters. I don't know. I just kind of 
putting it off. You know, you know how you do that. And um, anyway, so I read number four finally because I wanted to talk about it. And this was, ooh, this is such an exciting read for me. Like I read it and uh, it made me super excited for the series. Like it made me regret putting it off for so long. This is number four, especially is like probably the best issue of the series so far. And like, this is a fantastic series. Um, overall, highly, highly recommend. If you haven't been checking out the the individuals, definitely get this and trade paperback when it comes out. I believe it's coming out in March of next year. Definitely check it out um, if you like good things. Yeah, so basically the 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 structure of this story is really interesting. Like, obviously they introduced to 10, 12 characters. Uh, I should know. I don't have it in front of me. I can't look at it. Honest to God, if you just look up a summary of the basic story of the situation they're in, and you dive into number four here, you should still be able to enjoy this very thoroughly. It's about uh, the comedian. Like, each character is, like, the artist, the writer, the comedian. That's kind of, like, the code name. And they're basically, like, stuck in this house by the host, a guy named Walter, who turns out to be some monster alien guy who kind of disappears, leaves him in the house, and the entire world around them is on fire, apocalypse, um, but they are stuck in this house. They can't leave. But um, in this issue, number four, they find out that, like, the pantry, the food was running out, and they were getting worried, but they uh, found out that if they write whatever they wanted on this notebook pad, it would come for them the next day, like, in boxes. It just mysteriously be shipped there and they had no idea where these boxes were coming from they assumed it was walter their host giving to him but anyway like anything they wrote on the list it like showed up to the house like i mentioned previously and um god god damn this is just so fascinating and awesome and like there was this um at the beginning there's this full page of the comedian his name's david david is sitting in his room he's got all these all these things in his room and you see in, like, the bottom, there's, like, Detective Comics issue 47 or 17, whatever, like, um, the first appearance of Batman is, and then, like, uh, Action Comics number one. And I thought those were just, like, little nods, you know, little uh, Easter eggs. Not Easter eggs, just a nod. And um, comics do that all the time. And, like, all this stuff, the guitars, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, okay, this is just, you know, a little thing to look at and enjoy. But then you find later, like... Um, you see a picture of what his list is and it says like comic first appearance of Batman, like original copy, original number one, blah, blah, blah. And so he put that on the list and actually got them. So you, like literally anything they put on the list is uh, showing up. Don't want to spoil it any further, but I, God damn, it was so good to read. Probably like, I'm probably exaggerating, probably one of the best comics I've read in a long time. And I am just, I will consume anything this guy writes and puts in front of my face yes and number five was good too <laughs> uh yeah yeah all right enough dilly dallying enough rambling enough uh filling the time here uh i'm gonna get a sip of tea because <laughs> because enough enough of this time wasting because today we are talking about the sandman both volume one and volume two uh i originally was just I, I remember I said I would read Volume 1 and 2. Okay, when I reviewed Hawkeye, I said I was going to review Volume 1 and Volume 2, but I only got around to finishing Volume 1, and I reviewed, reviewed that. And then at the end of this episode, the end of that episode, I promised to read Sandman Volume 1 and Volume 2. Read Volume 1. It took me a long time, and I was like, all right, I'll just review this. But 
I decided I'm not going to fib anymore. I'm going to stick to my word. So I re, re I have read both volume one and volume two of this series. I know you're impressed with my reading level. Uh, volume one, Preludes and Nocturnes, and volume two, The Doll's House. This is written by very another prolific author, Neil Gaiman, with art by Sam Keith, Mike uh, Dringenberg, and Malcolm Jones III, and so many more. There is a huge list of artists uh, in this series. Other things written by Neil Gaiman, obviously he's, um, I think a lot more people know him as a novelist rather than a comic book artist. I really like, I think it's interesting when there are comic book writers or just writers in general who write both comics and novels just because, you know, it's a lot um, different audiences. I think it's, um, you know, if you like Neil Gaiman, if you like Neil Gaiman's novels and you start reading his comics because he's got comics, it's a cool way to get people interested in both mediums uh he's written some batman stuff he's written hellblazer and then another thing from marvel he wrote was uh marvel 1602 um he's written a, a shit ton of stuff and he's also written a shit ton of novels uh american gods uh caroline and good omens are just the ones i put on the list but um i really haven't i don't think i've really read any of his novels i've only read this and um uh, possibly something else but i can't think of anything else yeah so Let's get into the story of this graphic novel, The Sandman. This Sandman, written by Neil Gaiman. There is nothing else like this comic book, except maybe the Audible, the audiobook, which is based on the story. Um, little joke for you. Yeah, so how I, I actually like, obviously I knew, knew what The Sandman was, I've heard obviously how influential and how essential this comic was to comic history, um, blah, 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 award-winning, great story. I've heard that. It's one of those things, it's one of those books that you see at Barnes & Noble or like any comic book store you see like on the shelf of, you see like Sandman's volume one through 10 on every single book store you go to. And you kind of like, you kind of, how I always saw it was like, I, uh, I, I've, I scan, I'm scanning the books, I'm looking at everything they have, and then, like, I get to the Sandman, I see, okay, there's the Sandman, and I kind of just, like, glaze over it. I never think, it's never a book you see, you always see it, but you never think to actually pick it up and read it, and I'm so glad I did, because it's a, a great story. Yeah, so, what, where was I going with this? I initially, I haven't read this series before, but I did listen to the audiobook, which um, was my introduction to this series and I loved it. Like, I think I, I think I downloaded it for like, I was driving out of state. So I just listened to a, a big chunk of it. And I just listened to it every time I got in the car, as you do with audiobooks and a really, really fascinating story. And a little bit confusing. I was a little confused. Like, what is this story? And it kind of ends in a weird place. Like it ends and it doesn't really resolve anything. It just kind of like, obviously I knew it wasn't the ending. And obviously it's part of a lot, much bigger thing. But all that to say is, Audiobook is good, got me, made me want to read the comics. So now I am reading the comics, and also this adds to the list of comics that I have covered that have movies, not movies, that are represented in a different media, medium. Yeah, The Sandman is coming to Netflix in a live action series, which I thought was odd. Like, I heard it was coming to Netflix, and I just kind of assumed it was going to be an animated thing, because this book is all over the place, and... Um, Lots of very fantastical elements and things to it. I was surprised that it's live action. I saw the trailer, like, oh, this is a live action thing. But um, I'm hoping Netflix does a good job with it. 
Um, I'm kind of funding this project because I pay for Netflix. So um, hopefully my money is going towards uh, a good thing. I'm a little nervous about like the special effects and things, you know, because just like how good can a special effects be for something like this, um, if that makes sense. I don't know. If you read it, you obviously know what I'm talking about. It's probably going to have to be 95% special effects on any given frame. Um, okay, enough dilly dally. Oh, I should call this. I, I should call this uh, podcast Charlie's comic dilly dallying. Um, I'm in a weird mood today. You, you know, I always I feel like superstitious about uh, recording podcasts when I'm in the best mood. Like, is it best to do it in the morning when I first wake up, or at the end of the day? But is, if I record at the end of the day, is my energy sapped and my mind's all over the place? Here I go dilly-dallying again. Okay, so this story is really focused around this guy named Morpheus. Morpheus is one of the endless, as they're called, these immortal beings who have lived since the beginning of time. Uh, he is Dream. That is his, his name. He, well, his name's Morpheus, but he's also Dream. And, like, uh, he's one of the seven. The others being Death, Destiny, Desire, um, and others. And when I first, like, was listening to the audiobook, I thought it was kind of, like, an anthological anthology. I thought it was, like, maybe, like, kind of like an anthology thing where it kind of um, skips around different time periods of where Morpheus is. And it kind of does that, but it's more of, like, there's a large chunk of story of, like, four or five issues focusing on this storyline. And then there'll be, like, a side story. Um, and then there'll be, like, another large chunk of uh, comics or it's not a, like, it's like there's, there are over, overarching arcs, but then there's like a side story thrown in. So volume one, uh, we start out, there are these, these cult, these cult magical cult people who come up with this ritual to summon death. They are going to summon death to try to make themselves immortal. And instead they get Sandman. No, they get Morpheus. That's his name dream and they basically capture him and they take all of his weapons and his tools and they keep him captured for 80 years until um the guards the guards keeping watch fall asleep and he's able to slip right into the dreams and break himself out very cool and then the rest of the story is about him getting his tool back his tools back he's got like this helm which looks like this gas mask kind of elephant thing uh, his ruby and his pouch of unlimited sand, and um, so then the comic kind of goes into him getting this stuff back. We see some other DC comic characters, uh, John Constantine, and uh, Martian Manhunter, and Mister Miracle. Uh, he goes to hell to get his helm back, which is really a standout issue for me. Is when he goes to hell, and um, disgusting. It's disgusting. This how everything is depicted in this book. The art is super, you know, okay, I'll, you know, I'm going to say it. I did not like the art for when I was reading this. It's kind of weird and I don't want to say gross, but it's kind of like this really not, what do I want to say? Man, I'm not a very articulate person, but I just didn't really care for the art that much, but it definitely grew on me as I was reading and also there's different artists. So, uh, yeah, anyway, disgusting was my thought of the depiction of hell you know like a lot of times hell is depicted as like fire everywhere and uh, or just like ghosts or whatever yeah i don't know but this is like definitely really grotesque like the walls are made of disturbing body parts and the gross the demons are gross and 
Yeah. But it was fun to read. That was definitely one of my favorite stories of Volume 1 is when he goes to hell. Uh, he's got to get his helm. Apparently a demon took it. And um, he challenges this demon. But it's not like they don't let us fight. But it's like this battle of wits. And uh, very cool. Like the demon's like, I am a wolf. And then uh, Dream is like, I am a flea that gives a wolf disease. And then he's like, then I am... Yeah, I don't know. Just read it. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Um, and then there's a scene, another scene that was like really just grotesque that I remember vividly from the audio book is this scene with, in the diner with uh, Dr. Destiny. Apparently Dr. Destiny is this DC character who uses the ruby to give himself powers, but apparently that ruby belongs to Dream, so he finds his ruby gets it back but there's a scene in this diner where he keeps like five or six people like trapped in this diner and every time they leave they forget what they're doing and they sit back down and it ends in them him just making them have sex with each other and then kill each other um my kind of weekend let's see um so yeah the the story kind of goes through him getting through his tools back and then he discovers like his dream kingdom since he's been gone for so long is in shambles and it's kind of like that's kind of like the set up for like the rest of the this run is like kind of um this kingdom is in shambles because he's been gone for so long and it's like his dreams like he's got these creatures that are um dreams if that makes sense like uh have escaped like the two i think are called like brute and glob or something well he makes nightmares it's really hard to explain i'm really bad at describing things but like he's got nightmares but like the nightmares are personified as people like yeah you know does that make sense anyway they some of them have escaped so he's got to find them and get them back and it's pretty cool like the implications of like these dreams um like brute and glob i think i mentioned they have gone into this little boy's mind and they kind of like make him dream and he's cut off from the rest of the dream um a lot of this makes sense if you have read the book i'm really sorry but it's really cool. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I caught reading the comic that I missed in the audiobook. Like, when he's in hell, there is this woman from Africa who's in this cage, like, burning with all these other people in, like, cages. And she's like, uh, Morpheus, my love, please. I've been here for a thousand years or two thousand years. Please, like, please get me out of here. And he's like, and he says something. Oh, it's so chilling. I'm going to find it while I'm looking for this. You know, I said I didn't like the art. The art is, it's fine. It's good. It's definitely 80s art. This came out, I forgot to mention when this came out. Um, it did come out in the late 80s. Okay, okay, I found it. Okay, it's definitely, um, it is definitely an 80s comic, if that makes sense. Of course it does. Um, but I definitely got used to it. I do like this. Now that I say it, I do like the style. It definitely grew on me. But okay, okay, so this woman named Nada is in this cage. And she says, please, please forgive me, free me, my love, please. And she says, don't you love me? And he says, Morpheus says, it has been thousand, it has been 10,000 years, Nada. Yes, I still love you. And then he's walking away and he says, but I have not yet forgiven you. Oh my gosh, chills in my bones. Um, it's really cool, like different people see him different ways like we see morpheus as this really pale guy with his giant black hair uh like white skin like white like white like paper white skin um that's how we see him most of the time but then like other people see him different ways like 
that woman was from an ancient African tribe, and she sees him as like, it's like Nai Dak, I think is what he was called, and like he's, um, he looks like an African man with like the body paint and things like that. So that's how she saw him. And then like when we see uh, Martian Manhunter, Martian Manhunter earlier, he sees him as um, a god from Mars, like this Martian god, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, another comic I liked a lot, another chapter, is when he is with um, John Constantine. And it turns out, like, his girlfriend, they, they do all this different stuff to try to find his sand. And then uh, they find out his girlfriend is has his pouch of sand, and she's using it to get high, basically. Um, she uses the sand to enter dreams and give herself blissful dreams. And, like, we see her, and she's just, like, covered in scabs and thin and we see her naked body and it's just really like she's really it's gross i'll say it again it's just gross and basically like he said like listen the sand is the only thing keeping her alive she hasn't eaten for months but the sand is keeping her alive and uh yeah very cool um i think it's a good good book good book uh i think neil gaiman said that like he only planned the first eight issues to kind of be their own thing because he wasn't expecting it to sell. And he's like, thought it wasn't going to sell more than eight. So he only planned eight issues out. So this is a nice little succinct thing that you can read. And if you don't like it, you can just read that. And I don't know why you wouldn't like it. But um, yeah, I forgot to mention also, this was like Neil Gaiman's, I think like his first like monthly series. Like I think he's written like little limited series like two before this like he wrote one feature and then like one mini series but this is his first monthly continual series so <laughs> give it up for neil gaiman everybody the this uh yeah uh, i hope you're clapping very fantastic especially for his first like serious serious comic forgot to mention this up top but you know i feel like this book is so essential to comic history and it's so it's praise it's got all these awards and like this is really out of my out of my scope of being able to talk about it. Like I feel like I'm not going to be able to say anything that nobody else has said before. So if you're really interested in this, just Google it, and I'm sure the first five articles will all detail very much more cleverly than I about this story and what it means. And um, I'm just telling you what I enjoyed about it, my thoughts on it. Obviously, <laughs> this being a main subject of comic considerations, I do consider. I hope you consider reading this book. And now that I have um, covered my own ass here, let's talk about volume two. Uh, we start off with this, oh, I forgot to mention. I can mention it now. There's a lot of things, okay, oh yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier, like that I missed when I was reading the, when I was listening to the audiobook and like now going to the comics. I think also, the audiobook is really good, but there's so much more that I got out of this with the comic. I think there's really just no comparison to being able to actually read the comic. And uh, the art is fantastic, obviously. Even though I said I didn't like it, I do think it's uh, very well done. And the things it depicts, it's just there's a lot of things that come across in a comic book that is really not... It is possible, but you just don't get the same in novel form, if that makes sense. Also, I, also, it's a lot more like um, the pace is a lot faster when you are reading the comic. It goes by. I felt like I was like chugging through the story a lot faster um, than I was like listening to the audiobook. Like I felt when I first started the chapter of like the dining, the diner, 
I remember listening to that, like, man, this took like two or three hours of the audiobook and just, and it's just one comic, like all the information is there. I didn't miss anything, but I read it in like, like 30 minutes instead of three hours. But this is me. It's like comparing a book to a movie. Obviously you can read a whole book in two hours if you watched a movie. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, volume two, we start with the scene set in, uh, Africa. Like I mentioned, this is where we first meet Nada, who we see earlier in hell. Uh, basically it is kind of a rite of passage. We see this old man and he takes out this young guy out to the woods and says like, okay, this is the part where I tell you the story. And then when you're my age, you'll tell your son or nephew this story and the story about Nada and how she basically went she found a way to, she, okay, what happens? I promise I read this book. I promise I actually read it. Um, basically, she discovers this man who is Morpheus, um, and then she falls in love with him. She figures out a way to get into his dream kingdom, and then basically he says that he loves her too, and he basically says, like, I want you in my palace forever, and she gets scared and backs out, and then he's mad about it. Uh, and then after that, we get into the larger section of this volume of we with, that is based around Rose Walker, who is the granddaughter of a character we were introduced at the very beginning, uh, which is cool, which is a thing that I meant to keep mentioning, and I keep saying I forgot, and I keep forgetting to mention it. But I'm going to mention it now. This story does a really cool thing about, like, the characters. There's a lot of characters that are mentioned before that are brought up later, or, like, at the very beginning, there's like uh, it's described that when Morpheus is captured, that there's so many people. There's a lot of people who are like falling asleep and not waking up, like for the entire life. And one of these people is Unity Kincaid, who she fell asleep when she was like seven and didn't really wake up until she was like 80 or something or whenever uh, Morpheus came back. And anyway, Rose Walker is her granddaughter, which is a cool little connection. Uh, Nada was a connection earlier. There's just kind of like little things. Um, and then Rose is actually friends with somebody from the diner. Uh, so yeah, it does all these little things that are cool and they connect and um, yeah So this volume is about Rose Walker her brother She doesn't really know where he is because uh, His dad had custody of him, but then he died and they don't know where he ended up and turns out he's in this abusive home She goes on an adventure to try to find him. She ends up in this hotel Where there's a convention, but it's not like a, a regular convention. It is a serial killer convention run by one of the nightmares I mentioned earlier called the Corinthian. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it takes a lot of turns, goes a lot of places. Very cool. The side story that this, uh, the side story in this that really stuck out to me other than the one in Africa was there's a story about this guy named Hob, I believe he starts out with his name Hob. And this is like in like the 1200s or the 1300s, Morpheus and, uh, death go to, this pub in the 1200s to basically dream is going with death so that death can kill somebody and um they overhear this guy saying like i'm not going to die because it's not real everybody's dying because they just go along with it well i'm not going along with it i'm not going to die and uh dream and death look at each other and kind of agree like hey let's see where this goes and basically they make him immortal and dream goes up to him and says all right you will not die Meet here, meet here again in a hundred years. So kind of, we see him, they meet after a hundred years in like the 1300s and the pub around them is a little bit different with invention of the chimney. 
and uh, there's like this thing where this guy's talking in the pub and he's like, why do I have to go and invent the chimney? Like everybody knows smoke is good for your lungs and blah, blah, blah. And um, anyway, it just goes, it goes, it's very interesting. I'm not going to spoil it, <laughs> but uh, very cool, very cool story. Yeah, I wasn't excited to read this. I was, I was like, I wanted to read it, but like I was kind of putting it off because it's very dense. It's very... Obviously, I don't want to start a series that's... It's 76 issues total, so it's a very long run, but there's... I got, like, the 30-year edition anniversary of these volumes, and, like, there's, like, two or three forewords in each one, and one of the forewords was, like, you know, reading this, there's a lot of stuff that, like, seems disconnected, but by the end, it all comes together. Every character, every every scenario, every little story, it all comes together in the end. And that made me feel better about reading it because, like, I remember in the audiobook, like I said, it's like oh, this just kind of ended and doesn't really, like, connect and, like, what did all those side stories mean? But apparently it's one of the four words. It all comes together in the end, and that made me feel good about reading it. So it kind of, like, reading it, I was like, okay, I'll take in information. Like, okay, well, this doesn't mean anything right now, but this probably means something later. So I'm just there to enjoy the story. You know, all that to say, uh, I enjoyed it. Let's see. Yeah, so in my notes, I have a section to where I talk about what the story is, and then I talk about my thoughts on it. I think I might be able to switch those because I should talk about my thoughts on it before de- delving into the details of the story. One thing I wanted to mention is also it's pretty funny in a lot of places. Like there's little funny things, especially the ones I'm thinking about is like in the Dr. D story, the Dr. Destiny story. Like in the audiobook, it doesn't really capture that. Like so, like what well, I was mentioning, like things that a comic book does that an audiobook can't do. Like also, like, Dr. D was obviously disgusting in the audiobook, but then, like, seeing him depicted in, like, art, I was like, oh, that's what he looks like? Very gross. Looks like a skeleton with skin draped over him. Very gross. But, like, there's just this funny thing where, like, Morpheus is this giant holding Dr. Destiny in his hand, and he's, like, talking to him and, like, hey, I'm going to fucking kill you or something like that. And, like, Dr. D is naked, and he's just, like, standing there, and then there's just a panel of him, like, scratching his butt. Um, Yep. That was funny to me. All right, so that's basically my thoughts, my ramblings, my very long-winded review, question mark, of Sandman. Very uh, complex, very layered story. I don't think complex is a word, but it's very layered. Very important, essential comic to comic history. And all that to say, I have read it, I enjoyed it, and I recommend that you read it. I'm going to try to collect all 10, maybe. and I don't, I don't know if I should buy all 10. I actually just went to the bookstore today to pick up an unrelated book, and I happened... It was a used bookstore. And I happened to just check out their graphic novels, and uh, they ended up just having Volume 3, which I haven't had yet. I bought it, and it was great because they're uh, marked as $20, but it's used, so I got it for $8. Fantastic. Go to bookstores, people. All right, so now I've got the reviews. I've got four reviews here. All right, these reviews are from Amazon under the review section. (laughs) All right, five stars. This is from an unnamed Amazon customer titled, A Masterpiece Begins. Here is the start of an adult fiction masterpiece. I recommend reading it for the first time, knowing as little as possible. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, As the story unfolds, you may realize that this comic really is on a higher level. This is not a comic for the dull-minded as it takes an engaged and thoughtful brain to truly grasp the poetic philosophy behind the page. But neither, but neither does it take an active genius to comprehend its layered contents. Hear, hear. 
I can happily confirm that the digital version is perfectly scanned. Okay. Uh, have to disagree that this comic is for not for the dull-minded. I felt like I enjoyed it perfectly. Okay. I uh, got another review here. This is for volume two. This is from Fshar, five stars. And it's titled, Always a What the F Word Moment. The art is perfect for the moods. The characters entertaining and blood chilling. The intermix storyline, perfect. Been a follower for quite a while. Years ago, wandered into a bookstore. Yeah, that far back. Cruz the Refew was actually looking for original black and white Ninja Turtles, picked up a Sandman, and have been a fan ever since. Have yet to be disappointed. Thank you for keeping it so creepy good. Uh, I just thought that review was funny. Uh, this is a critical review from Zach Steph, four stars. This is a good follow. This is a good follow up to Volume One. When I first read this, I was very confused about the stories and characters, but after rereading it again, I now love it. It's not my favorite, but my favorite part is this. Is in this is part four, Men of Good Fortune. What I dislike is that some parts of the writing can be hard to read when you're reading for the first time, for me at least. But I appreciate the volume. I give it four stars. Good story. Love the characters. That was another thing I was going to mention. It was it was a lot in some parts confusing to read. Not just that, but like the panel layout. Like there's a lot of places where I didn't know if I was supposed to read across the two pages or if I was supposed to read top to bottom on the left and top to bottom on the right. There is a lot of that that I found confusing. Just to kind of like the paneling and layout is hard to, not all of it, just like maybe like a few instances. I don't know. Uh, as many times for me to remember it as a problem that some parts were confusing to read just from the layout of it. Um, all that to say is probably fucking I am dull with it. I am dull, dull-minded. Yeah, it's probably for me being so dull-minded. Anyway, in my last review here, this is from Catherine Blair, one star for volume one. Know what you are purchasing. This book is not what I expected based on reviews and the description. I purchased it for my 12-year-old grandson, and it is totally inappropriate. I have learned the hard way that I need to read a book before I give it as a gift. It is filled with horrible language about degrading behavior towards women and everyone. It is dark, violent, and frightening, and has no positive, redeeming value. Thank goodness my daughter-in-law intercepted it before my grandson was able to read it. That sounds to me like you are a bad gift giver. If you, like, if you know they like comics, maybe... <laughs> I don't know. That that was funny to me. Yeah, sounds like you're just a bad gift giver. That is somebody who picked out the first comic they saw. Um, yeah. If I read this when I was 12, my mind would be blown. And I'd also have nightmares, which might be the theme of the story. Nightmares. Dreams. Anyway, this has been Charlie Comic Considerations. If you're still here, I appreciate it. Um, hopefully you got some meaning out of all of everything I said. Yeah, so far I've just been reading these very, very mainstream books that everybody's probably heard of and read. Um, so I'm not really doing a whole lot here. But I am excited to continue doing this and finding more and more niche stuff. I'm just kind of going through my bookshelf and reading books that I haven't read yet. Yeah, what should I do next week? Also, I'd love to hear um, any stories you guys want me to cover, whether that be individual issues or longer graphic novels. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing uh, next episode, but I hope to see you there. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your tea. Neil Gaiman, thanks for writing this wonderful masterpiece of a book, and good night.